Good morning, everybody on your feet. It's time to worship our God. Amen. We just give up. Tell Jesus how much we love him because he has been so good to us.
victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yes. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood.
thank you and we bless you. You are beautiful, God. You are beautiful, God. Change the way I belong. 
us when we think it's impossible nothing is impossible for our God and whatever you're going through right now he sees exactly what you're going through cry out to him because he's listening for your cry he wants to help you and he wants you to just trust him and know he's got it under control he knows how to fix whatever you're going through he's so good to us thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, God. I worship you, Lord. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are waymaker. darkness my God that is who you are hallelujah you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my God that is who you are you are here touching every I worship you, Lord. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship. He's turning lives around. You are here, turning lives around. I 
as he worked some miracles for you. He has worked a lot of miracles for me. And he's not done because that's what he does. He's going to work some more miracles for me and for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Running after 
changing hearts and healing hearts and giving people hope because when we worship and praise you you're always giving us more than we're giving you you are awesome God I thank you Lord I thank you Lord I thank you Lord we just bask in your love right now Lord your goodness you are so so good to us Lord oh Holy Spirit have your way in this place. Have your way in me. If you invite him to have his way, he's going to do great things in your life. I believe it. You are worthy, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I pray that we have glorified you and that we have touched your heart. Lord, speak to us today. Speak to us today. Speak to us today, Lord. Help us to just stay in this.
Thank you, Lord. Let's give him, a, let's give him some praise and some love. Thank you, Lord, that you are always with us, that you love us, and that you have a good plan for us, Lord. If anybody doesn't know what just happened here, the Bible talks about the gifts of speaking in tongues and of prophecy, and that's what that was. Our Lord just speaking to us personally today. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Nothing to be afraid of. It's something to crave. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us to just take in your sweet message today, Lord. Help people to remember they are not alone, that you are with them, that you're working for them and in them, and you want to work through them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I adore you. I'm so grateful. I thank you, Lord, and I praise you, and I believe you have an even a very powerful message coming for us through pastor today we can't wait to hear what you've got to say help him as he speaks and help us to receive what you are trying to get us to receive lord help us to be open to it and hear it i believe great things are going to come out of this service you are awesome god we praise you and we thank you in jesus name amen and amen our god's awesome amen yes now don't be seated yet if you want to greet this is the time we get to go around and see some people maybe we don't always get to see or meet some new people. So if you see somebody new, definitely go and welcome them. If you happen to be social distancing, we want to um, honor that. So if somebody doesn't want you to come around, just wave to them from afar. Maybe, you know, air kisses, something.
There it is. Hi, everybody. So we're going to do the offering. Um, so I was thinking, and um, I've determined there are three types of people that give. And they're very distinct, and you only want to be one of them, so see if you can catch it. There's flint givers, there's sponge givers, and there's honeycomb givers. So the flint. Everyone know what flint is, right? You make like a spark. So to get anything out of flint, you got to beat it with a hammer. you got to beat it hard with a hammer, right? And you only get a little bit. You get some sparks. That's about it. You don't want to be that. That's bad. A sponge. We all know what a sponge is. We've all done dishes. So to get something out of a sponge, what do you got to do? You got to squeeze it real hard. The harder you squeeze it, the more you get, right? And last, a honeycomb. Honeycomb are sweet. They're wonderful. And the honey just comes right off. Smooth, and it, it wants to give. So that being said, today, I want you all to be honeycombers. We don't want to be flints. We don't want to be beating you with a hammer. And you don't want to be beat with a hammer either. So that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> and you don't want to be squeezed. You should be giving, you know, of your heart. You should be flowing just like honey, sweet like honey. So if the ushers will come forward, I will pray for the offering. Oh, by the way, there's lots of ways you can give. You can give with cash. You can give with check. Uh, you can uh, go online. There's an app. There's a kiosk in the back. Lots of ways to give. There's definitely not an excuse to say, I don't know how to give. There's so many different ways. So whatever works best for you, even if you're online, go, go to the PCA website and go give. It'd be awesome. All right, let's pray. God, I just thank you for this day, and God, I just thank you for everything you do for us, Lord. I just pray that today we can be honeycombs, God, that we can let the sweetness just flow to us, God. And when we give to you, you give to us, God. Um, that is being obedient to you, Lord, and, and that's what we're called to do is to be obedient and to listen to you, God. So let's just be honeycomb givers today. Let's just give of our hearts, give everything we have, and and just be blessed by you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. really fun and you do you can meet a lot of different people. I thought that was amazing actually. To be the splash bag. The zip line and the paddle boats. Oh the beach bowl we did. That was we did and the Bible trivia. The church services and the game. Water slide that looks like it would have been made by my dad.
I do recommend it. It's really fun. You get to meet a lot of nice people, and services are, are really fun. Camp was amazing, and I feel like it would inspire all the rest of the kids that go to church here. Amen. Give God praise for camp. I think uh, camp is the most awesome thing you can do for your kid and for your teenager. And, and this is a great segue because on September the 11th this year, we're bringing camp to Ponca City for one day. So we need all of your help. Yep. That Saturday, we're going to have inflatables and water slides and all those things, face painting, balloons, whatever you can think of, hot dogs, so everybody can do something, and we need everybody to do something. So out in the foyer, there's lots of sign-ups, and uh, if you don't know what to do, just sign your name, and we will find something that you can do. 
And it's going to be a great, great day to show our community that we are here and that we love our community and we're a part of this community and we want them to be a part of this church. Amen. Take your Bible. Stand with me today. It's time. Repeat this after me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Thy word will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Lord, help me every day to read thy word. Lord, help me every day to live thy word. I love thy word. And dear Lord, help my pastor. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, I love those kids were talking about the Holy Spirit. Some of them were called into ministry. Wow, praise God. And man, the worship this morning, I just wanted to get like, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's awesome. I love being in God's presence, don't you? Today, the title of my message is God's Miracle Working Power. How many believe that God has miracle working power? Amen. And I love to read about the miracles brought about by God's power in His Word. Uh, When I was a small child, my mom had this big old Bible thing of stories in the Bible and big illustration pages. It was phenomenal. And every night I wanted her to read the same story over and over, David and Goliath, David and Goliath. But she said, there's other stories. I said, really? What else did God do? And she talked about how that the Red Sea parted left and right and the children of Israel marched the ground on, on dry ground. She talked about the three Hebrew children. They had a picture there. And there wasn't just three. There was four. There was a fourth man walking in the fire and, and looked like the Jesus Christ. And, and then she told me about that water that came from a rock. Isn't that amazing? She told me about how that um, the blind was seen, the lame were walking, the mute were hearing, dead was raised, and that's just in the Old Testament. And then you get to the New Testament, and then she taught me about the birth of Christ. Isn't that a miracle? God's working, powerful miracle. And then she talked about his life, the temptations that he went through. The first miracle was at the wedding in Cana, and he turned water into wine. How awesome is that? And then he talked about all the times he healed people. And I remember the one time the little boy that, was, that would be thrown into the fire by the demons and, and Jesus came and, and cast those demons out of that little boy. Can you imagine going home that evening and, and the mom grabbing up her son and for the first time not having to worry about him anymore. And, and I remember the little boy with the fishes and bread and feeding thousands of people and taking up 12 basketfuls. I mean, this is God's miracle work and power. And then all the times whenever Jesus brought about deliverances in people's lives and when they were in the storm and Jesus was walking on the water. Mm, wish I could walk on water. But if I could, probably have a bigger church. <laughs> if I could walk on water, I'm headed to the ocean, man. And then talked about how that he was crucified for my sins. And on that cross, he declared, it is finished. Wow, the miracle working power of God. And then for three days, he went down to the pits of hell and released those who were held captive that received him as Lord and Savior. Then on that Sunday morning, resurrection day, he comes out of that tomb. Amen? Wow. Power, power, power. Powerful miracles of God. And then when he ascended, it started the church age. And the miracles did not cease. God's miracle working power continued. The day of Pentecost 
thousands heard the gospel. Thousands were saved. Thousands were baptized in the Holy Spirit in one day. And I'm thinking, wow, God, where are your miracle working power today? And he said, oh, they're all around. And then I look at you and I see God's miracle working power in your lives. I see what God has done in your lives and how God has performed his miracles in your life. And no wonder we are in the, in the house of God worshiping today because of what he did on the cross, uh, what he did in the grave, but then what he's also done in our lives because God's miracle work and power continues. And so what I learned in studying this word of God through the years is in the Old Testament, God had the law. And the law dealt about everything that happened that we did on the outside that everybody could see. It talked about lying. It talked about stealing. It talked about getting caught in adultery. But in the New Testament, there's a huge transition. The law is fulfilled, and now it transitions to not so much what we're doing on the outside. There's some of that there. But the more important transition is what is going on on the inside. What man cannot see. Because when Jesus looked at some of those Pharisees, he said, everybody sees that you're pretty on the outside, but on the inside you're filled with death. And then he said, in the Old Testament, you had to be caught in adultery. But in the New Testament, if a man looks upon a woman and even starts thinking about it, he's committed adultery already in his heart. So it's also now what's happening on the inside. That's important. Because now the transition from external to internal. I want you to get that, if nothing else today. We are living in the church age. And I want to tell you, What's more important in your life and my life is what people cannot see. What the Holy Spirit sees. What is going on on the inside of us. And so after the day of Pentecost, we have God's miracle work and power continue. And we're introduced to this man by the name of King Herod. I mean, no King Herod. King Herod. And he comes alone in the book of Acts and... Uh, King Herod has taken a trip to Tyre and Sidon and uh, things are not going well lately for King Herod. He uh, had this guy causing some trouble by the name of James, so he arrested him, had him beheaded. That helped him out a little bit. But he had another guy by the name of Simon Peter giving him trouble as well, so he arrested Simon Peter. The problem was somehow he escaped. Now, I know there's a crazy, ridiculous story about God's miracle work and power and an angel walking in the prison and waking him up and taking off the chains and uh, leading him out of the prison. And I know all that. And, and they said, um, it's because the church was praying. But because of that, I, King Herod, I had to kill all those soldiers because they let a guy get loose. I'm not having a good time. So he goes to Tyre and Sidon and he's fussing with the people. And the people are fussing with him. So he's like, I need a break. So I'm going to go to the little strip over here called Caesarea. Small area. I got to get a break. I've got to get away from all this bad, bad, bad days of my How many of you had just bad times in your life? So King Herod's going through this bad time. And he goes over there. He goes, I know that those people in Caesarea will like me. Because there's a whole lot more people than there are land to grow food. So there's not enough agriculture. And what happens is I, because of the generosity of my heart, 
I give them all their agricultural food and, and uh, they love me there in Caesarea. So I'm going to go to Caesarea. The mountains are there. The water's there. Get some break. So here's where we find this man by the name of King Herod. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 20 and following. He had been quarreling, King Herod, with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace. Because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. Okay, On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. And they shouted, This is the voice of a God. Not of a man. King Herod is finally. People are really realizing now who I am. Finally. They, I go to Caesarea and they have King Herod Day. Finally. Finally. I mean, they have King Herod Day. There are banners all over the streets. They are loving King Herod. They are shouting. They have parades, celebrations. Trumpets are sounding. He's going, finally. I've got a break and finally things are going my way. And he goes through the parades. He goes to the amphitheater. It is packed out. People are shouting. People are jumping. And he goes up and he's got his royal robes on. Actual silver was threaded through his robes. He's looking good. The chariot's all shiny. He rides into the amphitheater, gets out. The sun glistens off of his silvery threaded robes. And he begins to talk. And the crowd takes over. This is a God, not a man. So I want you to help me, PCA. I want you to shout that with me. This is the voice of a God, not of a man. You ready? On the count, let's just shout it three times as loud as you can with all your heart. You ready? One, two, three. This is the voice of a God, not a man. This is the voice of a God, not a man. This is the voice of a God, not a man. And Herod likes it. Who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't love an entire amphitheater shouting, finally somebody is giving me a break. They shout it over and over. He drinks it in. King Herod, though, started to believe it, and then he started to receive the praise. What happens is man, and when I say man, I mean humans, we cannot handle very much adoration because then we will start to believe what people say, and then we will start to receive what they say and all of a sudden, we start having problems with self-exaltation. Self-exaltation. We start thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And so something's going on inside of King Herod, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am a God. I give all these people all their food. If it wasn't for me, they would starve to death, of course. And he starts to believe it. Then look at verse 23. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down. And he was eaten by worms 
and died. God's miracle work in power on display. Pastor, that's not Goliath. Uh, that's not a Red Sea. That's not water into wine. No, no, no. This is God beginning to deal with the New Testament church. He said, I'm not worried about what's going on on the outside. I want to worry about what's going on on the inside. Inside of Herod, he was having self-exaltation moments. He was like, hey, you know what? I am what they're saying. I yes, I receive it. And listen, our God is a jealous God. He didn't do away with the commandments. Matter of fact, he said, now they're fulfilled. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm a jealous God, and now I know what's going on inside of your heart, not just what's going on externally. I know what's going on internally, and I'm going to tell you as God, I am not going to tolerate this. And immediately an angel was dispatched from heaven. The angel struck him down immediately in the amphitheater. God is not slow. As some men and women, and I myself at times, have thought he is slow. He is not slow when it comes to things that matter. And who we worship and how we worship matters to God. And what we worship matters to God. And right now what's going on on the inside is more important than what is going on on the outside. Immediately, Herod did not give praise to God. God says, I am the only one who receives praise. I'm a jealous God. You see, God has a lot of mercy and a lot of grace, but God's also showing us, hey, listen, things have changed. I don't care if you're building an idol or not. That was Old Testament. That was external. Now I want to know what's your heart doing. What's going on in your heart of hearts? What are you thinking in your minds? God struck him down. God's miracle work and power. If you read sometime the writings of Josephus, Josephus tells us that this process took five days to complete. He was struck down in the amphitheater, but then they removed him, and it took five days for the worms to completely kill him. Five days. People say, well, we want the God of the New Testament. This is Acts. This is the God of the New Testament. Have you ever needed someone just to say something nice about you? We all have, haven't we? You look nice today. Well, thank you. That's a nice dress. That's a nice shirt. But this goes beyond somebody saying something nice about you. Herod was not the reason for the agriculture. Herod cannot grow anything. God is the reason things grow. King Herod received the glory that belonged to God and only God will receive glory that is given to God. He's jealous. You may say, well, how does this apply today? We must give God all the glory for all things in our life. We don't need to look around and go, well, look what I'm doing. No, 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 look what God is doing. Look how God has blessed your life. Because the Bible tells us that apart from God, we cannot do anything. Apart from God, we cannot breathe. Apart from God, we cannot move. Apart from God, we cannot have our being. The Bible tells us in Him, we live and move and have our being. We must give God all the praise. The problem is, sometimes the utensil takes the praise of the Creator. What? You see, King Herod, he cannot grow anything. He, he's not the one that causes the seed because he can't make the seed.
Only God makes the seed. He cannot put it in the ground and cause it to grow. God causes everything to happen. He produces whatever food there is. And then the other people gather it and take it to the people of Caesarea. Uh, King Herod didn't really do anything. And yet he's receiving all the glory. And so today I have a cast iron skillet. Let me know what that is. In the days of microwaves and food delivered to your door, we don't know what this is, but it's a cast iron skillet. Now this is a very special cast iron skillet because before Sandy and I got married, her mother bought this cast iron skillet and because she knew what she was doing, uh, ladies, let me just tell you, if you buy a cast iron skillet, don't take it home and start cooking in it. You got to call it season that skillet. We have a chef in our church. We have Miss Pat over there. Oh, yes, yes. You got to season it. So her mother took this utensil and seasoned it. And because it was seasoned, my wife can now, this skillet is only used for two things that I know of so far. If I say something wrong, it might be a third thing it can be used. But so far, it's only been used for two things since we've been married. Number one, gravy. This thing is used for gravy. And number two, cornbread. Nothing else is ever cooked in this skillet. Now, when my lovely wife takes this skillet and makes gravy, do I go over to the skillet and say, Oh, you did so good. Thank you for the gravy. Thank you for the cornbread. It was awesome. It was just like Sandy's mom used to make. Thank you, thank you, thank you. No. Did the skillet really do anything? No, the creator, my wife, makes the gravy. My wife knows how just when it's brown enough to have that roux for that just the right color gravy. Oh my goodness. And she's the one that puts all the stuff in there for the cornbread. And when it comes, she knows when to put it in the oven, take it out. The skillet doesn't get any praise, does it? Because it's just a skillet. Apart from Sandy, it can do nothing. Listen, we are God's utensils. We are God's skillets. Apart from God, we can do nothing. So why would we receive praise that belongs to God? Why would we give praise to someone else when it should go to God? We can't do anything. It's God who takes us as a utensil and uses us to produce what God wants to produce. We cannot receive any glory. No one should ever receive glory but God. Because if we do, God's going, wait a minute, that's mine. Don't touch my stuff. Praise is mine. Adoration is mine. Glory is mine. It is not yours. You're just a utensil. King Herod, you didn't do anything. I'm the one who produces the Bible tells us that we are clay. He is the potter. I have this beautiful pottery here. There is not one other piece of pottery in the world like this. It is the only one. I had a Navajo lady make this for me. On the bottom it is Tania and she's Navajo. She made this. 
There's no other pot like this in the world. Why? It's handmade, handcrafted. But when it started, did the pot, the clay, tell the potter how to be made? No. Did it say, I want to have horsehair in it? Did it say, I want to have all these beautiful engravings? No, no. It's just clay. Just mud. But in the hands of the potter, the creator becomes something beautiful. Today, church, we are just clay. We're just mud. And one day we're going to return to mud. But God takes us and makes something beautiful out of our lives. And then other people will look at our lives and glorify our Father. They will look at us and go, Wow, that pottery is beautiful, but the pottery doesn't get the glory. The creator, Tania, gets the glory. Look what she did. Look what Tania has done. And then Tania would go, no, no, it's not me. It's God has given me the gift. Because without God giving me the gift, I cannot do this. I started to bring the pottery that I made. But I realized you would not look and say it was beautiful. And I would have my feelings hurt. <laughs> but I created it. It was a mess. And sometimes we create our own messes. Don't blame God for that either. But give God all the glory when the glory is His. And so worship is very important because who we worship, how we worship, and when we worship is very important. And when we give God all the glory, He begins to pour out more blessings in our lives. And God's telling the New Testament church, this is how we're going to do things in the New Testament. Number one, don't give my glory to anybody else. Look at verse 24. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. God's miracle working power. It began to do what? Flourish. Why? Because God put things back in order. All the glory goes to God. Look and learn so that does not happen to any of us. You may say, oh, God wouldn't do that. God is very just. We've got too much preaching today. I love mercy and I love grace. But you've also got to understand we've got a God who is just. And he says immediately, he sent an angel down and goes, I will not tolerate this. And he's still the same God of mercy and grace, but he's also still the same God who says, give me all the glory for everything. So whatever happens in your life that's a good gift, it comes from the Father above. And we need to be sure to give God all the glory for it. You may stop a man, but you can't stop the word. Secondly, Paul and Silas. Acts 13, verses 4 and following. The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. They went down to Seleucia and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. So you got Paul and Silas and John. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man... I love that. He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, 
opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So they are preaching the word around this island. The proconsul here, I want to hear more about this Jesus. But before they get there, they are confronted by Elimus, the sorcerer. Elimus is like, whoa, wait a minute, guys. This is going to hurt my business. I got a good little racket going on here. I have the ear of the proconsul. They listen to me. I'm able to give them counsel, tell them what's going to happen, give them some direction, and man, they are paying me good. And so he gets up in Paul and Silas's face and Barnabas' face and all this. He's going, man, this is my gig. Don't mess it up. He's got a good thing going, right? Verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Can you look around and see the Holy Spirit inside of any of you today? Can't see him, can we? It's all internal. And surely Elimus, if he was a real sorcerer, could have figured this out. But he looked straight at Elimus and said, Don't mess with the miracle work and power of God. <laughs> That's my version. Saul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked him right in the eye, guide up in his face, nose to nose, and he says this, verse 10, You are a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. What? I mean, Paul threw down some emerald Lagasse on him. <laughs> Bam! Come on. He said, uh-uh, Elimus, you don't get up in my face. Let me straighten you out. You can't see what's going on here, but the Holy Spirit is inside of me, and I've been anointed by God, and this is a New Testament way of doing things, but we can see truth, and the truth is about to get all up into your life. And the truth is, you're an enemy, you're a friend of the devil, everything you do is wrong, you're filled with deceit and trickery. You see, everything you depend upon is sorcery. Now today we got to be careful of this, because as Christians we can be deceived. You see, Elimus depended upon other things. He depended upon tarot cards. He depended upon Ouija boards. He depended upon horoscopes. He depended upon looking at the stars. He probably even had a psychic hotline and he was a fortune teller. And oh, what's going to happen to me? I mean, come on. It's making billions of dollars in our society today. And if we're not careful, it will dupe even those who are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we're looking at things other than God. We're looking at places other than the Word of God. We're looking to people other than God to give us direction in our life. What decisions should I make? Who should I date? Where should I go? What am I doing? All these things. And Elimus was leading people and deceiving people and giving them direction in their life. He was consulting and giving advice to the proconsul. They were, they were governing the area. And he says, wait a minute. We're not going to live like that anymore, Paul said. We're going to do what? We're going to look to God. The author and the finisher of our faith when we need to know what direction we need to go in life. 
You see, God doesn't like it when we look other places and look at other things and look at other people other than Him. He wants to be the source of everything in our life. We as children of God, we need to pray. God, not my will, but thy will be done. And I want to tell you, church, we better be careful if we're looking somewhere else for all the directive answers in our lives. There's only one place to look, one person to go to. Please, hear my heart, do not play around with these types of things. Look at verse 11, Acts 13, 11. Immediately, do you get the same trend God's doing here? Immediately, mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. God's miracle work in power. Yes, God's miracle work in power immediately on display when somebody does not seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I found it very, very ironic when the man who says he can see everybody else's future now cannot even see his own feet. He can't even see his own hands. He cannot see how to walk. He's groping around. And it happened immediately. How much irony is God putting into this situation? God's pointing this out. You cannot be self-dependent. You see, the first problem we have was self-exaltation. Now we have this self-dependence. I don't need God. I don't want God. I don't want this. I don't need this. I, I can figure this out on my own. I'm going to ask Grandma. I'm going to ask the horoscopes in the newspaper. I'm going to look at the tarot cards. I'm going to go call the psychic hotline. I'm going to go to a fortune teller, whatever. God's going, no, 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 you come to me. If you want to know who holds tomorrow in his hand, that's me. If you want to know who held yesterday in his hands, that is me. If you want to know who's giving you breath today, that is me. I am the one who is sustaining your life. I am the one that will give you direction. You just need to come to me and I will direct the footsteps of your life. We've got to make sure we understand that we cannot be self-dependent from God. We've had total dependence upon God. God, I can't take a step. I can't take a breath. I can't go anywhere in my life. Lord, I need your direction. Every day he said, not my will, but thy will be done. Miracle work and power of God. So part of the money for himself, but he brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not just lied to human beings, external, but you have lied to God, internal. When Ananias heard this, Immediately, he fell down and died. Great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then some of the young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, have you ever noticed that? Three hours later? They're still having church three hours later. After. I, I don't think anybody's going to want to leave. 
We just saw a guy get struck down by God. I think we're going to have a worship service right about now, don't you? Three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you sold? And I got for the land. She said, yes, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Again, great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these things. Selfishness. Selfishness. Self-exaltation, self-dependence, selfishness. You see, we're not talking about what's on the outside, what every person can see. We're talking about what is on the inside. The problem was not they were lying to men. The problem was they were lying to the Holy Spirit. Why would we ever think we can lie to the Holy Spirit? He sees everything. Moms and dads, have you ever seen your kids do something and then look you right in the eye and lie? And then point if they got a brother or sister. I'm innocent, snow white, clean. And the parents saw you do it. And the parents like, really? I saw you do it. And then the kid will still argue with you. Impossible. I wasn't even in the house when it happened. You've heard the stories. And so today, church, we cannot deceive God. Yes, we can deceive other humans. Yes, we can deceive other people. But you cannot deceive God. Don't try it. Don't conspire to it. Don't even think for a moment that you can do this because you cannot lie to God. And can I tell you, the number one temptation in the Word of God, Genesis to Revelation, every time is money. The number one temptation, money. People do things for money, don't do things for money. People do things for their lives. Money drives everything. And i got to tell you, as almost 40 years of pastoring, I've heard just about every excuse in the world when it comes to tithing. Uh, well, pastor, God understands why I don't tithe. Oh, he does understand, still doesn't like it. But he understands, well, you know right now it's hard and we really need the money. Oh, uh, okay. Well, if God understands that I have to pay my bills first. Well, God understands that I've got to take care of my family. I mean, who, we've got to take care of our families. And right now, I just really can't afford to tithe. And I got a list that goes on and on. But none of that matters to God. None of it. Because here's what God declared. 10%, it's mine. That's my money. Don't take my stuff. Don't take my praise. Don't try to live life without me. Don't take my stuff. Tithe. But you pay first. 
I have found this biblical principle true no matter where it happens. But when churches as a whole do not tithe, God is stingy with his blessings. But when a church begins to experience the gift of giving and tithing, it becomes unlimited the blessings that God will pour out upon that church. I've seen it happen time and time again. Because the principle is always true. God does not change that principle. And he doesn't change it based upon our circumstances either. Listen, we've got to understand, God's not looking on the outside. God's looking on the inside. Are you trying to lie to me? Don't try that. Are you trying to steal my stuff? Because we can't steal from God on the Sabbath and then ask for God to bless us on a Monday. Can't. Can't do that. You may say, well, Pastor, I thought you were preaching on God's miracle work and power. I am. The miracle work and power of the Holy Spirit to see now what no man can see but only God can see. You see, God doesn't just see what we do on the external, but he knows the motive of why we do things. And God says, I know motive. I understand what's in your heart. I understand what's in your mind. So God is setting a standard very early in the book of Acts of how we are to live and how we are to live our lives dependent upon God. Give Him all the glory. Don't believe the press. If I were to ask all of you this morning, how many of you can name at least five, I'll say men, there's some women involved if you want to get more, more numbers, can, it, can think of at least five men who have filled up convention centers, who have held revivals, who have been these great, ministers of God and then God bring them down because they believe the press yeah there's a lot more than five but every one of us can think of five because they start believing and then receiving they, they start saying things well it's because of me I'm the one filling up the convention centers I'm the one doing this and I no 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 God God does that God is the one who gives increase God is the one who moves by his spirit God does things right now that we don't even see. God is looking into every heart. I can't do that, but the Holy Spirit does. He looks in every mind. He, he sees our thoughts. He knows our motives. He knows everything that's going on. So we cannot deceive God. God says, don't steal from me. Don't lie to me. Don't look other places for direction in your life. Don't take any of my glory. Why? Because God does not tolerate sin. God hates sin. Sin, And the Bible tells us that we as Christians are to hate sin but love people who commit sins. And I don't know how that got turned around, but we love every person in the world. There's no judgment, there's no condemnation, but the sin in their life, we are supposed to hate that part. Because an enemy of God has to be an enemy of us. A friend of God is a friend of God. And we're not talking about the person, we're talking about the sin. That sin is an enemy in God's eyes. God hates sin. Read his word over and over. He hates it, he hates it, but he loves when we love him and we adore him. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. That's New Testament. Everything within me, love God with everything. Depend upon him for everything. Look at 5, verse 11, Acts 5, 11. Great fear seized the whole church. 
That word fear is not scared. That word fear is reverence. Whoa. God is serious. God's not playing around. And today, I, I don't want any outward thing to happen. But shouldn't we have the same reverence and honor and adoration without somebody having to have somebody struck down and eaten by worms? Without God having to strike somebody dead because they didn't pay the full amount of their tithe? Without, shouldn't we have the same fear of walking into the house of God and worshiping Him? Shouldn't we have that same reverence whenever we are looking for direction in our life? I would never look anywhere else but God because I know who God is. I, I would never do anything without God's divine approval. I, I, I would never. I would never. Why? Because of the reverence of God. We're not to say, look what I have done, look at who I am. But we are to say, give God all the glory. Cry out to God for our footsteps. God searches the hearts of every man and woman. He searches and he knows the heart of every man and every woman. Right now, he searches and knows our heart. He knows everything about us. He knows our moments of self-exaltation, our moments of self-dependence, our moments of selfishness. But God's miracle work and power is still at work today. It is. In each and every situation, what happened after God's miracle work and power was performed? Every time, the gospel spread and flourished. We are not as important as we think we are. We're just the utensil. That's what we are. Yes, God made every one of us beautiful, but we're just the pot. He's the creator. He's the one that's making something out of our lives. I watched the hands of the lady who made this and I was just overwhelmed at her ability. I look at my life, I look at your life and I'm overwhelmed at how God has brought things about for good in our lives. God. I'm so proud of some of our young people in our church. I, just this week I saw where a young lady in our church bought and paid for a car all by herself and it's paid for. Isn't that awesome? Praise God for that. I saw another young lady in our church. These are sub-20s. She bought a house all, all by herself. Wow, praise God. God is doing something in their lives. God is working some things and they're following the direction of God and, and God is getting involved and God's going, when you give me a little bit, I can turn it into a lot. Whenever you follow my footsteps, I can keep you from harm. I can get you through this. But if you go through the fire, I'll be with you. If you go, because I led you there. If you're going through the waters, I'm leading you through it. I'm going to make it. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm walking right there with you. You will never have to worry about being alone. And where there seems to be no way out, I will provide a way out. But let's keep relationship. Give me all the glory. Don't try to be self-dependent. Don't try to get selfish just because I bless you. When God blesses us, He wants us to be more generous in our blessings. 
You may say, well, Pastor, why are you preaching this? Because I want us to understand how God wanted the church to work in the New Testament. God's going, there's a transition from external to internal. There's a transition from what you used to be, have to be caught externally doing. Now the Holy Spirit knows. He knows everything that's right. Thank God for that. But then he also chastises me a lot. I'm sure I'm not the only one that gets a little correction and direction from the Holy Spirit because all of us are constantly needing to be redirected in our lives. So as a parent, grandparent now, I would rather my kids act right than for them to give me a hug and tell me they love me. Nothing could have made us more proud than when our kids would go to the house of someone in the church and would ask them, how did they, how did they act? Oh, they acted great. They said, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, please, all those things. Whew. Now the big question, will you ever let them come back? Because they can tell you they acted right, but if they go, no, they can't come back, you know they didn't act right. Oh, yeah, they're welcome anytime. Oh, that was the most wonderful report as a parent. I'd rather that any day from that for my kids to come up and hug me and kiss me and say they love me because most time when they did that, they were wanting something. But when, you, when your kids go off on their own and they act right, that's the parent's proudest moment. And we are the children of God. And God's just wanting us to act right. He's wanting to look and say, well done, good job, awesome. And what I found is that if we are doing right, we receive. If we're not doing right, sometimes we get mad at the pastor. Don't get mad at the pastor. I love you. I just want you to know that we just need to be exalting Jesus Christ and Him crucified. No one else gets glory. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So everything in this church, when you tell somebody about anything in this church, give God all the glory. Don't try to be self-dependent. Don't think you can do it on your own. You can't. Wouldn't it be great to know and to talk to somebody who knows what's happening tomorrow and get the insight? And then don't be selfish. If God has blessed you with a dollar, give him the dime. If God has blessed you with 10 cents, give him the penny. And continue that process. And if he gives you 10 million, give him a million. If he gives you a billion, give him, I don't even know what that number is. But if I was blessed with a billion, I'd figure it out real quick. But I'm not going to try to pencil whip God. Well, you know, I've got my own business, and so I really don't make anything because I, this is all deducted, and this is all deducted, and this is all deducted, and then you got the CPAs, and they help me figure all this out, so I don't owe the government anything, blah, blah, blah. What's the truth? Stand with me today. Now, I know by the title, I may have started off, everybody had the wrong impression, but I'm still talking about God's miracle work and power. And today is not about the external, today is about the internal. And this week the Holy Spirit was just, I'm like, Lord, how do I, how do I make sure everybody knows I love every person in this church? 
I love every person, and I love everything that God has done in your life. But I know, I know myself. I know there has never been a point in my life to where God said, okay, you're done, you're finished. I'm finished, you're, you're perfect. No, <laughs> not even close. God is always challenging me to become more like him. John said it this way, I must decrease that Christ may increase. And I believe today God can take his word and use it if we will allow it to change us more into his image. Or we can be like Herod. Maybe I am. And so in my office praying this week, here's what the Holy Spirit told me. He said, Pastor, this is my moment. This is my time. Can you just kind of get out of my way? Yes, sir. He said, because I'm going to deal with everybody on a heart level. I'm going to deal with everybody on their thought level. And I want you just to kind of get out of the way. Yes, sir. And so this morning, we're going to open up the altars. No one's going to pray for you. No one's going to anoint you with oil going to open up the altars. We're going to let you come and spend some time in the presence of God. And I pray that God through the Holy Spirit will speak to your heart to say, hey, look at all the things you're doing right. But maybe we can work on this and this. Because I believe that's what God wants to do in my life and your life and all of our lives. Maybe we need to work on this and that. So they're going to sing this song. I'm going to help them a little bit. But I'm opening up the altars. The Holy Spirit said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw them. And I'm gonna draw them. And they, and I believe they will be obedient and follow. And I want to touch their heart on a very deep level. There's nothing external going to happen in the next few minutes. It's all gonna be on the inside. All in here. The Holy Spirit's gonna talk to us. And so when they start singing, if you feel something in your heart. Nobody's going to judge. Nobody's going to know because nobody. this is not an altar call for a particular thing. This is saying, hey, I want us to come and spend some time. Allow the Holy Spirit to work on us for just a moment. Would you do that? Would you do that for just a moment? Just allow the Holy Spirit to draw you. Just be obedient. Thank you. 
sure hope you were blessed by Pastor Bardwell's message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.